Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. What's up? Hey, welcome to part two. This is Shalene, and you are listening to The Shalene Show. This is part two of a pretty fascinating series, a series that involves searching and looking for a biological parent. I am in my car. I normally do a car smart episode on Fridays, which means it's an episode that I I record while I'm in my car, like with you as the passenger and we're just chatting. But today I'm actually driving over to my friend, Dr. Michaela's house, because I actually want to give you the backstory so that you can understand how it came to be that she learned that the man who had raised her wasn't actually her father. So that's where we're headed. Put your seatbelt on. We are definitely about to go for a ride. So you didn't have exactly the most normal childhood? No. Did you think it was normal while you were in it? Oh, absolutely. Well, actually, that's not completely true. I did have some level of awareness because it was nothing like anybody else. And it was also very clear that we were not to share or talk or tell anybody what was going on, which obviously told me this isn't normal or right or what have you. Did you think, oh, well, then this must be bad if I'm not supposed to tell people what's yeah, going absolutely. on? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, it's hard to say. Hmm. It's hard it's to just say. just the norm. It's what you knew. It was all I knew. Mm-hmm. At what age did you know that your, the woman who was raising you wasn't your mother? I actually knew that from the very beginning. All along? All along, yeah. So then at what age do you think the, this other woman was at Uh-huh. What age were you when became your basically... Stepmother? Yeah, stepmom. Five or six. Okay, that makes Something sense. Like that. And did you remember thinking, where's my mom? It's strange because I didn't start thinking that till later. Like what's um, later? Probably like nine or ten or eleven because... You have to remember, it was like an introduction to my mom. It wasn't even a thought because it didn't exist. I met her for the first time when I was seven. Okay, but you knew that she existed when you were five, and so from five... No, I did not know. I knew I had a stepmom. And you didn't have memories of her? Nope. Really? No, because when we were separated, I was like three or four. Oh, and you went to live with other family members. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So you go from, where does your mom leave you? She didn't leave me. The man that like ended up taking us uh-huh. took us from the place that we lived, the state that we lived, and put us on a plane and sent us somewhere. And where did he send you? To Washington State. To be with who? My aunt and uncle and their kids. Okay, and you were there for a couple years? No, probably a good year. And then where? And then he got out of the army because he was in the army. So then he was, you know, left the army or whatever. His time was done. And then he came and he got us and bought a house in the same area. And then we, my older brother Nathan and myself and him lived in this house. And those were like the few years that I remember were, from what I remember, they were good. So was in the picture then? No. Your stepmom? No. And this was, you believed, was your father? Oh, Absolutely. 100%. Did you look like him? I didn't think so, but then again, do you ever think... I mean, I don't look like my dad. Yeah, you don't think when you're a kid, like, do I look like my dad? You just, you don't even think anything. It's just your dad. And what's your earliest memory 
of not feeling safe. My earliest and my first memory is being in bed there we had bunk beds Nathan and I and I was in my bottom bunk and I was praying I just remember I'd always say my prayers and I was praying to God because I had already anticipated that my dad this guy that I was that he was going to accidentally kill us because he would lose himself and go into rages and I had already anticipated in my mind he's going to accidentally kill us and then he's going to end up going to jail or prison. And I felt so bad and upset and worried in my mind because he was going to be so sad there. And I felt so bad for him. So in my prayers, I was praying to God every night when he is in jail or prison that God would help him to be happy. So you weren't praying that you I had be already accepted. Or, oh, wow. Which is crazy because when I think back now, I think, gosh to have already accepted that you're going to be killed by who you think is a parent yeah. and already move on from that to feel such empathy for them is crazy. How old were you? Young, mm. like five-ish, mm. very, very young, because it's my very first memory, but it's such a clear memory that I did that because my prayers are such a memory. I, for whatever reason, I don't know how, but I was very religious about saying these prayers and I would do it almost in an obsessive compulsive way where I had to say the same thing every night. I had to make sure that I said, and God bless this person, this person. I go, had to go through every single person. If I forgot one person, even a neighbor mm. or someone, then I would have to start all over. So I started developing those obsessive compulsive. But I just remember my prayers really well. And when the, the your stepmom came into the picture, the person who you thought was your father, did, that, did it change the way he treated you and your brother? Not initially. Initially, it seemed like, oh, you know, he said to us one day or one night, um, hey, I'm going to marry. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was basically it. And, and I just thought, oh, you know, I guess I thought, you know, that's cool. I just it wasn't like a thing. It just was, oh, I don't even know if I knew what that meant. Next thing you know, there was this wedding and everything seemed OK in the beginning. And it was like a slow progressive where I would hear her in the bedroom telling my dad you know the, who mm -hmm. I thought was my dad he'd come home from work and I would hear her saying these things like what are you going to do about these kids and complaining about us and being confused thinking but nothing happened today mm. and this was like an ongoing pattern is she gonna but I was just so confused and I didn't really go any further than that except for being aware that that was happening and then over time I noticed that she was starting to become more physically aggressive with us and that my dad was slowly pulling away from us at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like Wait. just kind of distancing himself from the whole thing. Mm. And she became in charge. I see. At seven, you meet your mom. Mm-hmm. What were the circumstances surrounding that? She suddenly showed up this is when the reality of, oh, I have a mom and what that is. She would come to Washington State. She would arrange to stay at her sister's house. So she had an aunt who actually, yeah, Washington State in, in a different city. And she would go there and stay for the weekend. And then my dad and my stepmom would drive my brother and I 
to my aunt's house and we would just stay for you know from Friday to Sunday and I just remember just even in that first brief encounter I just I did not want to leave her oh did you ask questions like why do we not live with her did you call her mom did you feel a maternal connection to her no she asked us to call her mom but I couldn't neither of us could it just it didn't seem natural she was a stranger to us but I do remember asking her if I could go live with her and then her promising me each time yes and I'm going to come back and get you you know the whole and then afterwards that never happening yes I'm going to send you this and yes and none of those things ever happened how many times do you think you saw her how often I would see her like every couple of years so after seven then I'd see her like around 10 and then I'd see her when I was like 13 or 14 and then it stopped completely until I finally left at age 18 at what age did you I mean and not to I think before we fast forward we'll save some of this the story of your life which I'm going to author mm-hmm. for you I'm going right. to ghostwrite it mm-hmm. whether you like it or not uh-huh. but it was pretty horrific it was survival mode and there was a lot of abuse and a lot of just uncertainty and other people who you thought were family members and it was constant confusion that's the best word to describe because nothing ever made any sense to me Mm. nothing the punishments never made any sense the complaints by my stepmom never made any sense nothing none of the stories or the explanations nothing ever made sense or added up in any way at what age do you find out that the man who had been raising you and your brother was in fact not your father 14 at age 14 Mm -hmm. and how do you find that out it's one of those it's that weekend and my mom's visiting and we're at the mall and I don't know where Nathan was so she's visiting you she takes you to the mall Uh uh-huh okay to buy us some clothes Mm -hmm. which was the first time ever which is a big deal my I don't know where Nathan was but we were sitting at a cafeteria in the mall and we were eating uh, caramel popcorn you literally remember what you were eating I remember everything every detail And we're eating caramel popcorn and she's sitting across from me and she says, you know, your dad really isn't your dad. And I remember having this obvious, natural, kind of shocked look on my face, like, what? And her response was very confusing because her response was a very judgmental, almost disgusted response. She said, oh, don't act like that's a big deal or don't whatever I can't remember what exact words were but it was almost like a very judgmental shaming response because I had acted shocked Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to respond to that except for okay I'm not supposed to respond or it's wrong to show my feelings or confusion 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 we didn't say did you ask any questions I went home and we were always grilled. Did you tell your brother? I don't remember telling him because he had distanced himself from me emotionally, let alone physically, at such an early age because he was having, looking back, already so many emotional problems mm-hmm. that I didn't understand. And he didn't cope the way I did. I kind of went through my childhood constantly observing and trying to figure things out. Yeah. Constantly. Whereas I think he just, he went through his childhood surviving it. Mm. I was so aware of the inconsistencies that I was constantly trying to figure them out. 
Mm. Wow. So I went home and I asked him, my dad, mm-hmm. well, the dad that I thought was my father, and I, I said, you know, mom said that you weren't my real father. And he said, of course, I am your real father. And I remember him saying, look at my hands. See my hands? They look just like yours. And I remember looking at his hands thinking, yeah, you know, they, they look the same, but they just look like two hands. Like, you know, I didn't <laughs> yep, really five, see, but I believed fingers. him. <laughs> yeah, I said, okay, okay. And I remember walking away kind of resolving that I believed him, but there was always that little, you know, that little kind of itching thought yeah. that... um why would she say that then? Did he give an explanation, your mom's crazy, or just flat out denial? Just flat out denial. He even said too, if you want, we could go take a, I think he said a blood test or something back then, I remember. And I said, no, 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 because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Uh-huh. Which is also crazy, because if we had, it would have proved that he wasn't. Yeah. So that's at age 14 that you have this conversation with him. It's mm-hmm. the first time you hear, this is not your father. Mm-hmm do you bring it up to him ever again? Not until right before I left home. Which was at age? 18, 17, 18. So did you finish high school and then you're like, I'm out? Well, I was given an ultimatum. (laughs) I was given an ultimatum because at that point, my survival was my friends. Mm -hmm. And my boyfriend and my best friend were brother and sister, which worked out fantastic because I could stay the night with my best friend and I think you can fill in the blanks with that. But their, their mother and their father kind of, be, you know, took me in. But that was kind of touch and go. But at that point, I was hanging out with my boyfriend a lot. He drank a lot, which to this day, he's a avid alcoholic. But I came home one night a little bit tipsy and I remember my dad saying, they were never home anyway. It's another story. But I remember him saying, well, you have two choices. You can either, you know, change what you're doing stop drinking you need to get a job blah, blah blah or you can move out and I remember thinking wow that's a great idea uh-huh. I didn't even yeah. think about that oh my god I'll move out <laughs> I shouldn't laugh but you just make light of I mean because what else can you do but just go wow yeah. well it hadn't dawned on me about moving out and I thought it was such a great idea like why didn't I think of that I didn't even think that that was a possibility I hadn't hadn't dawned on me yet and that was when like everything got really exciting like this is fantastic so you said that you brought it up to him again just before you left was there like an argument or well the next morning I said I just want to just check were you serious (laughs) about the choices and he said yes and I said okay well I'm I'm gonna move out and um he said okay he didn't really fight it I mean at that point he had gone into a major depression several years prior to that so we were so distant and I knew there was nothing for me back home but I also knew there was only one way for me to get out of here because I had no money there was no way for me to make money there was nothing we were so poor I mean I was supporting the family at that point as it was that the only way I was going to get out was I had to get to my mom's wherever she was as it was kind of like a was that a pit stop Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I knew she didn't want me Mm -hmm. but that didn't matter because it was just going to be a pit stop. But I knew that where else am I going to go to start? And so I called her. She was not excited about it. She was not, but I didn't care. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm coming. And when I got there, she was very rude and mean to me as well. Mm. But, you know, I just, doesn't matter. I got a job right away and I'm going to save money. And it just, you know, kind of progressed from there. We interrupt this broadcast to talk about your lady parts, your boobs. Okay. 
So you guys are always asking me what bra I recommend. And the reason why I never respond is because I can't tell you what bra I wear because your boobs are different, right? And number one, and number two, I haven't had a bra that fits right. I don't think ever, I swear. Well, I have one that I used to love, but it's so worn out, it's ridiculous. So anyways, long story short, I'm listening to one of my favorite podcasters and she starts talking about this company where you can go to the website You fill out this quiz and they sent her the perfect fitting bra. I'm like, what do I have to lose? So I go to the website, I fill out the questionnaire and I order two bras. They show up and one of them is like perfection. I can't even believe it. And the other one is like close, but it's just a little bit off in the straps. Then I get a text message the next day from their customer service department asking about my experience. I tell them how the one bra doesn't quite fit right. This wonderful customer service rep kind of goes through a series of questions for me and she's like, I recommend you try this one instead. They ship out the replacement bra, problem solved. And as always, when I find something that I use, that I love, that makes my life easier, I'm gonna tell you about it and I'm gonna try to get you a discount too. What's the company? It's called Third Love. And you get a 15% discount. Shaleen Show listeners, all of y'all get a 15% discount when you go to thirdlove.com forward slash Shaleen and your lady parts will thank you because frankly, who wants to go to the mall to that very expensive place that we will keep a secret, wink, wink, and spend all this time in a dressing room. There's always a long line trying on bras and then buying one that's overpriced and taking it home and not having it fit anyways. Be smart about these things. There's a much better way to do this. You've got to try this company. All right, go to the website. It'll take you like, 60 seconds or less, thirdlove.com forward slash Shaleen. And don't forget, you get 15% off when you do use that link. And you know, I only tell you about things that I personally use, I love, and I think you're going to love too. I know this is a story about, you know, finding your birth father. Did you ever tell your mom how horrendous things were or about the abuse that was happening to you? I did, but you know, she did not seem to like care until just a couple years ago. And you know, I'm not excusing it, but do you think was she in her own pain, trauma? I mean, it's just hard to imagine as a mother, and I know you are too, and we've talked about this before, it's hard to imagine like my maternal instincts kick in when I see a child in a store that doesn't look happy. Like my maternal instinct is to like take care of them. Yeah, but I didn't say anything until after I had moved in with her. Throughout so you all never, those okay, years, all those years you never you said mom. You couldn't okay. because one thing we were very clear, my brother and I, Nathan and I had said, if we were to tell somebody, we would have gotten beat. Mm. So we knew Mm. that that was not a way out. That was not going to be a solution because ultimately it was going to be worse on us. So we ha- we knew we had to keep that to ourselves. So I didn't say anything to my mom until I actually moved out, moved in with her. And even then it was kind of like, you know, prefaced with, you know, mom, you know, dad like, hit us and, you know, did this and such and such. And it was kind of the same response when I told her about my uncle, which is okay, which was confusing (laughs) yeah like just okay yeah so then I would walk away with hmm hmm and it was just more like what does that mean yeah 
Yeah, but obviously this person isn't going to. How often did you think about who could my birth father be? Not often. Did that start to become a more constant thought when you had kids of your own? Not really. Not not hardly at all. It didn't become interestingly enough. It didn't become a thought until coincidentally I had been going through many things a few years ago, transitions and things, and suddenly that Feels became like it was more after important. The fire, right? It was. Yeah. It was during transitions. Mm-hmm. in my life yeah which is you know coincidentally makes sense why I would be seeking out another adult somebody to to help me to feel safe somebody to kind of rescue me someone to kind of take care and I'd created started to create this fantasy in my head of who he might be this strong person or this person with confidence this person that would explain why I'm so different yeah and that just continued to grow over time. I listen to many of the people share their stories of searching for, yeah, you know, a biological parent that they'd never met. And a lot of them say they kind of like they'll go eight years without looking. And I wonder if that's a common theme for people when you kind of need someone who's safe. That's when mm-hmm. those thoughts reoccur. It is. But there's one thing that I did think about anytime that thought would ever come up which was rare prior to a few couple years ago which is I only knew one thing about the adults in my life and that was that they were incapable of offering me anything yep and that if I did find my biological father that he would just be another adult that I would have to take care of Mm -hmm. I remember you you know on our long runs you would kind of go back and forth you weren't like eager to find him mm-hmm. I was always curious why you weren't and you would say things like look at my track record of men who are supposedly family members look at my track record of family members like it hasn't gone that well mm-hmm. you know and which is kind of a smart thing did you how do you mentally prepare for the fact that he might not want to see you might want nothing to do with you that you might never find him, that he might have passed away, he might have been, you know, killed in a war. By convincing myself from the very beginning that those things are likely to happen. It's almost like you, you prepare yourself for the likelihood of it. So it's not like I was setting myself up for, you know, the disaster or or just, you know, assuming all men are like that or what have you. It was just simply the result of this is all I know and the possibility of this based on statistics and the percentage and you know this is also somebody that was in association to my mom and knowing my mom how healthy could this person be and it just it was just kind of an assumption that in a gut feeling that I knew was going to be a possibility and that it was helpful because I didn't have expectations because I stopped having expectations of adults in my life at a very young age and has been very helpful, to be quite honest. Mm, really? Well, yes, because you don't get hurt when you don't have expectations. As an adult, what I've learned is it's still a wired in thought process to not have expectations with adults in my life currently but what's good is that there's been a balance because of all everything I've learned and how I've evolved which is 
I don't have expectations. Like, you know how when every year we go to, uh, we've gone to Park City. Mm -hmm. But yet I'm naturally wired. I don't naturally expect that every year. Instead, I get really excited when when it does happen. So that's how you look at like good people. It's like, well, wasn't expecting that, but that's nice when it does. It's a great thing. Yeah. So you do accept it. Uh Uh-huh. What does it feel like when you ask your mom questions? Like, do you worry, oh, shoot, she's going to shut me down. I'm not going to get the truth. This is going to make her uncomfortable. Like, do you approach that subject with kid gloves? Like, how do you approach that subject? Well, I already know, based on what I do for a living, knowing her, all those things. She already feels intense guilt that is new. Mm. It's a result of Nathan's death um, a year ago and since then it's the first time she has really expressed this tremendous amount of guilt for what she's done and apologized but I know that her guilt she carries it so much that if I say anything that is causes her or might cause her to have to you know feel the result of anything she's done she's going to get defensive and I'm not going to get anywhere so I kind of have to tiptoe around anything that's going to cause her to feel anything. She, she just, you just never know. I've, what I've learned with my mom is if I'm going to have her at all in my life to A, not have expectations and not get into anything deep and just take it for what I can get from it, which is very surface and very, very basic questions. It's like you learn people. I listened to the call. It's like an hour long where you're kind of going back and forth and back and forth with your mom. Mm -hmm. And I've never met your mom. I feel like I have. But I've never met her. That's right, you haven't. And probably because I've been protecting you from (laughs) this woman. But do you remember how, I don't know if I told you about this, you might remember, remember how I was, some information she gave me about the high school that he went to. Yeah, yeah. And so I spent some time looking at like classmates.com and in those kind of websites yeah and there his name is so common especially for you know for the state that he lives in that there were so many in so many other high schools but the one she said at the very least there was only one and I remember showing her the picture and I said is this him and she's like I don't know and I'm like what do you mean you don't know you dated him yeah you were intimate with him. And that was the age you would have remembered him from. Yeah, how do you not... I remember saying to her, how do you not... In a very Kashuga defensive... How do you not recognize by, when you see the picture if this is him or not? That should be a staple in your mind. But more confusion. And that's where I started to think around that time that she doesn't want me to know. Because mm. that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You wouldn't forget that. When face. I listened to that long call... Again, I don't know your mom, and so I'm just telling you my observation. It felt like she would say things like, well, I think he was two years older. And you would say, two years older? And she would go, or maybe he was younger. Mm -hmm. Younger? Yeah. Well, what high school did he go to? And she would say the name of the high school. And you'd say, was it this high school? And she'd go, yeah. you'd say, are you sure? And she goes, well, maybe it was. You And I don't know your mom, but as a listener, I was super frustrated and thinking, just be straight. Or Mm -hmm. is it a matter of her memory? Yeah, I I never questioned whether she remembered or not. I was more observing the fact that these are things, any one of these things that someone would remember, why is it so difficult for her? And in other words, 
why is she trying to hide this from me? Mm. Yeah. And you've called, because I've been with you, you've called people who he, like, she's given you his name, mm-hmm. first and last. Mm-hmm. And she's given you the name of some friends. And did she say, like, maybe he had sisters? Did she say he had sisters? She might have said, yeah, she might have said he had a sister or sisters. So, and then I remember you reached out to someone who your mom thought was friends with him because I remember mm-hmm. we were driving down to Newport mm-hmm. to run at the stairs and you got like a call or text maybe mm-hmm. and you sent this guy mm-hmm. the photo mm-hmm. a high school photo mm-hmm. of who you thought could possibly be your dad because I remember you saying this could be my father I don't know if he's alive or yep. not but yep. if I recall that person was like yeah I don't think that's him is that right is that how that went well that this guy knew my mom another one of the many men who knew my mom and he started to reach out to me I think I reached out to him once and then it seemed as if he was genuinely interested in wanting to help me and I sent him a picture and I think he said he couldn't no I think he confirmed can't remember if that was him or not no because you weren't sure here's what he did he said he had this friend her name was Dolly I remember this. And Dolly, she, he said, dated him. Dated and your birth father. He, apparently. And that he was still in touch with this Dolly oh, woman. Yeah. And that he would talk to her and pass along the pictures to see if she could help out. And then I remember this was part of why it was so painstakingly is these sort of situations in which he reached out to her. I'm waiting to hear back like, oh, great. This person knows and also dated him. And I mean, this person isn't my mom. Maybe she'll be straight. And he comes back and says, she doesn't want to share any information. She doesn't want to get involved. She doesn't know anything. It was like a dead end. Wow. And I thought, why? Okay, so now you're transitioning. And, you know, I think you're okay with us saying you were going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of like on your own. So that's stressful. Mm -hmm. That's upheaval. And I find out literally um, not even weeks, a month after filing for divorce that Nathan dies. Your brother. Heroin overdose, like all within like the same 30 day span. And suddenly, suddenly finding my biological father and really wanting to embrace this fantasy of how great he is. Suddenly finding his name. Uh Uh-huh. Suddenly finding. Uh Uh-huh. So you find this name. Okay, so, and, and you know, we're friends then, and I remember, again, you weren't that interested, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you have this name, and now it becomes, doesn't become, a, like, for me, I felt I would go home, and I would spend hours on the computer mm-hmm. trying to find something. So I can't imagine what it feels like to suddenly have something be, like, the just the unknown, you know, like, ah. Uh, I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah, and I have to I have to wonder too if if I hadn't been going through all those major blows, those major events in my life at the time, would I have been so inclined to find him? But looking back, I, I see so. I see now that I really needed I think I needed something, someone. I needed that fantasy of who he was to be true because mm-hmm. I think looking back that I felt like I needed to be rescued. Mm-hmm. Saved, yeah, protected, mm-hmm. something. I wonder how much of it's coincidence. I mean, because once I knew the name that you had, I mean, it was moderately interesting to me. But once I had the name, 
I snapped into detective mode. I'm like, I'm going to find this guy. Mm -hmm. We're going to find him. We are going to find him. Yep. We're going to find him. Mm Mm-hmm. 